We are the sacred collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Sacred Collective Podcast. Uh, I got a special guest today, author Luke T. Harrington, whose book I found um, at Barnes & Noble a number of weeks back. And the his book, his book's title, his book title got me uh, right off the bat. It's called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. Um, so thanks so much for coming on, Luke, today. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Um, let me just ask you kind of right off the bat what we ask, what I ask most of my guests is uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So the for our listeners who um, will kind of know, like, who is this Luke, you know, Luke T. Harrington? So just as much or as little as you want, like where you're from, like all <laughs> that good stuff. Yeah, sure. Um, I was uh, born in Fall River, Massachusetts. Uh, same town as Lizzie Borden, so I feel pretty oh, wow. cool about that. <laughs> uh, raised primarily in Lincoln, Nebraska, though, um, and currently live in Madison, Wisconsin, um, after a decade or so in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, very nice. I've been all around, uh, sort of a pan Midwesterner with a, a dash of the South and the East Coast, I guess. Um, I have no credentials to speak of. <laughs> I uh, got I got a bachelor's in uh, English and film studies from the University of Nebraska uh, about 15 years back. Um, did about half of a graduate program in uh, uh, educational psychology, but <laughs> didn't didn't ever finish that. Mm. Um, I just think of myself as a writer. Um, you know, I. My passion is uh, dark fiction, I guess, horror or whatever, um, but I make most of my money uh, writing Christian humor, or at least have up to this point. Um, I also do a podcast uh, called Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington, and it's a, it's an interview show where I talk to all sorts of people about um, things they've changed their minds about, uh, big things, little things, a fun, fun time. Um, very cool very cool yeah cool so um how did you go as an author um kind of like researching or even wanting to write a book about murder bears moonshine and mayhem <laughs> this is a long and uh tortuous process from uh conception to publication so i don't know how long you want me to go on go as um, long as this. you want <laughs> um so you know i i was um I was raised as a, a PK pastor's kid. Um, and, uh, my dad who is a Presbyterian pastor has sort of a taste for the weird and the strange. So I was definitely, um, exposed to this stuff from a very young age. Um, it was always when, when he was bored of, uh, <laughs> more traditional family Bible story time, he would read us something a little bit weirder. Um, so, this is kind of, in a lot of ways, this is kind of in my blood. Um, the book started uh, kind of back in, way back in 2013. Um, 
when I was uh, kind of freelancing for a website called craft.com. I don't know if you know craft, yeah, yeah. Um, but they were um, for a, a window from like 2008 to 2015 or so. They were basically the best website on the internet. Um, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> they were objectively the most popular humor site on the internet. Like they, of all the humor sites on the internet, they got the most hits. Um, and kind of what they did at the time was like fact-based listicles, um, which is like the bread and butter of every clickbait site now. Right. Um, but they can they kind of pioneered it and they did it very, very well. Um, so I was, I was freelancing for them, you know, I was pitching articles to them every once in a while. And I, I got this idea for, Hey, what if we did like the six dirtiest jokes in the Bible or whatever? Um, and, uh, you know, so I pitched it to them, and after going back and forth for quite some time, um, we they finally accepted it, and they ran it, um, and it became probably the most successful thing I've ever written. Um, <laughs> Very cool. Which, you know, yeah, I mean, it was, thir- you know, eight years ago now, so it's all been downhill since. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a big hit, you know, millions of people read it. Um, I, I Someone sent me, like, a a picture they took of a, a print newspaper in Australia that ran like a whole short little article on my article. It was very strange. Um, but yeah, it was a big head. I was getting, you know, messages from all over, um, saying, Hey, well done on that. Um, and one of the emails I got was an email from a woman named Polly Schmidt who worked for a book packager Um, and a book packager is basically they come up with ideas for books, they hire writers to write them and then they sell them to publishers. So not quite a publisher, um, somewhere between a producer and an agent, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and she said, you know, we've been looking to write a whole book about the dirty bits in the Bible and we saw your article in Cracked and we think you'd be perfect for it. And when someone says, I want to hire you to write a book, you always say yes. Yes, yes. Um, And so, yeah, the book they pitched me, can I curse on this show? Absolutely. Go for it. The book book they pitched me was called, Holy Shit, The Dirtiest Bits in the Bible. Um, So (laughs) I said, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to write this book. Um, So, you know, I, I signed with them. I wrote a book proposal, which is like, an outline sample chapter is marketing plan. Um, and they held on to it for about three years, but never managed to sell it. Um, mm. so, you know, I had a three-year contract with them. So once the contract was up, it was like, well, I guess we go our separate ways. Um, now while I was kind of twiddling my thumbs, figuring out what to do on that, I published a novel. Um, <laughs> and the novel, it was kind of one of those, it won some awards, but nobody bought it kind of deals. So oh, okay. it was like, okay. <laughs> okay. So I wrote a, a critically acclaimed, but very unpopular novel. Now I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> um, and at that point I got a, just out of the blue, I got an email from an acquisitions editor at Lexum Press, um, who is a division of Faith Life, uh, who's the company that puts out Logos Bible software. Okay, okay, yeah. with that. Um, and they, Lexum is, they're, primar- they're primarily an academic publisher, um, mm-hmm. but they were like, 
we heard about that holy shit book you're working on. Are you still looking for a publisher for that? And I was like, I guess I am. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously this is a book that was originally conceived for like the secular market. Um, and now a Christian academic publisher wanted to pick it up, but I was like, you know what, if I write this for a Christian academic publisher, I'll be able to actually write the book I want to write, you know, which is like really, really diving into the, you know, what the academic sources have to say about these things, what the church fathers and the rabbinic sources have to say about them. That's what I wanted to write anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, it was great. Um, so I signed with Lexum and I, I was signed to them for a year and a half. Um, and I wrote the whole book and they were getting ready to publish it. We were talking cover design. We were talking copy editing and all of a sudden they pulled the plug, you know? Oh, gracious. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, um, it was, it was one of those things where I was, I was, uh, I was like, okay, I guess I just put a year and a half of my life into this book that will never see the light of day. So thanks for that. Um, and I guess what happened was um, they had an exec who just didn't, know about the project and was like horrified when he saw it, <laughs> which I can understand, you know, it's clearly not for everyone. But um, that just had a gut you though, like putting that much time and energy into writing. That would be like me in a way, like doing my dissertation for my doctorate. And then everyone's like, yep, you're going to pass. And then like the day it's supposed to happen, be like, mm, sorry, not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't a great feeling. It really wasn't. No. Um, <laughs> But um, fortunately, it didn't last that long um, before I, I, I found a new publisher. Um, I had a friend who just who poked and prodded me a little bit, who was like, you need to go on Twitter and pitch this thing. Um, I don't know if you have any experience with publish, with the publishing world. Um, Not me these... personally, but yes, I do know some somewhat about the publishing world. Yeah. There are these things that kind of happen from time to time on Twitter. Um, they're like book pitching events mm-hmm. um, where there's like one day set aside when there's, there's like a hashtag you use and you just, you pitch your book in a tweet and agents and, and editors are supposed to come to you if they like the pitch, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, sometimes people have luck with them. In this case I did, there was a, there was a, an event. I, I pitched it once. Like it was a one day event called faith pitch, which was like, you know, pitching faith based books. Um, and I just, I put out one tweet. It got the attention of an editor at Harper Collins Christian. Um, and yeah, by the end of that summer, the summer of, uh, 2019, I believe, uh, I had landed a contract, uh, at Harper Collins for the book and the rest, as they say, is history. So, and Harper Collins is not, uh, not a small publishing company by any stretch. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I had gone from um, this tiny little Christian publisher to this giant global publisher um, and it, it felt good. I won't lie. Oh, so, I, I imagine that would feel very, very good. Um, kind of going from like this Lex publishing you said and, and, and putting all that time and energy into, like you said, writing this, this book, for them to, to, you know, get pulled the plug and then you having to go to Twitter and pitching it. But in a roundabout way, obviously it, it got to the light of day and it got to a really big publisher, maybe into stores and stuff that might've not carried it unless it was on Harper, you know? Right. I probably wouldn't be sitting here if it, that hadn't worked out. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, cause you wouldn't, you wouldn't have come across it at Barnes and Noble probably. So, right. Uh, um, I'm just going to ask random questions from not random questions, but maybe a little bit of the, um, how do you get some of, uh, some of the ideas to write this? Cause I, I feel like I'm a pretty funny person and I, you know, I like to joke about, you know, butt and poop, you know, what, what guy doesn't, <laughs> but what made me laugh so much about this Luke was just like when I was reading it and I was like, here's a guy who I feel like if I would write a book, not saying that I can write like you, but like if I could write a book, this would be the exact book that I want to write because <laughs> like I, I take the Bible seriously. Um, maybe, you know, not always factually and all the time, but I was like, there's so much stuff in the Bible that so many times as Christians that we just overlook, we're like, Oh, it's the story of this story or this story or this parable and we just don't realize like we don't sit back and realize there's just a lot of kind of gross and disgusting things in scripture which you bring up so in the first chapter you it's called i like biblical butts and i cannot lie um which i still snicker snicker at that like was that did you was it purposeful that you wanted to put that um that chapter first did was there kind of this like way to to go about it um because you you have chapters on like you know all the about sex in the bible and the nudity was there a reason you wanted to put i like biblical butts and i cannot lie first (laughs) um yeah that was actually mostly my editor at um lexum back when i was writing the book for them that was actually mostly his doing um he really pushed me to start with kind of the lighter stuff Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of work my way up slowly to the more hardcore stuff or whatever. I think that the first chapter is just about butts and poop. And then the final chapter is um, what incest, I believe yes. <laughs> or something like yes. that. Um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he kind of, I actually, I had the chapters arranged in kind of a random order in my original outline. And he was like, no, you have to start with the lighter stuff because you need to, ease people into this stuff. <laughs> like, right. if, if you bang them over the head with the incest on the first page, they are not going to follow you on this journey. <laughs> I, I think that's uh, accurate. Cause I feel like if someone was like, Oh, this book's about incest. But no, no, it's not just that it's other things. <laughs> I, so I think he was accurate in that of, of doing that. Um, yeah. So did you know, I mean, obviously you, you said you're a PK. Did you know that there was this much stuff in the Bible just about poop and butts or, oh, for sure. or when you <laughs> researched it, were you like, dear God, there's more stuff about shit and asses in, <laughs> in here than, than possibly before? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was pretty familiar with the Bible going in, you know, I mean, I've, I've, read it cover to cover a few times. I, you know, like I said, my, my dad has a pretty wacky sense of humor about this stuff. Um, I was raised in a church where the, um, pastor who who was not my dad, (laughs) I was raised in a church where a different pastor had, um, a pretty strong appreciation for this sort of stuff. Um, which is weird to say probably, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I felt pretty, uh, pretty familiar with most of the material going in, um, you know, and I, if, if I had a gap in the book to fill, I wasn't above just Googling like 
Bible verses about butts or whatever, just to fill in the, the gaps when I came to them. But yeah, there, there's one part that, uh, that I like the, you do this throughout the whole book, but it's kind of like that, um, grayish highlighted area. And it's yeah. like that, that's one way to deal with crappy people. It's kind of like these funny kitschy things. And I was just kind of, when I read it, um, I kind of drew some lines over like scripture verses where I'm like, I, you know, I know that I've read this cause I've had to numerous times in seminary, <laughs> but it just never clicked. Or maybe I just was like, I just need to read this. But it was like, uh, Malachi two, three, behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung on your faces and uh, the dung of your offerings and you shall be taken away with it. And it's just what can you read that you're like that that's in scripture. You know, like that's in our holy book and it's just like, I'm going to put dung on your faces and you're just like, you know, I've gotten mad at like my brother or like cousins or whatever, but it's like, I will never stoop to the level of throwing my feces at them (laughs) and smearing their faces in it. But I think it's so humorous that it's actually in the Bible because, you know, I tell people we should take the Bible serious, but there's a lot of. And there's a lot of terrible things. I know you'll agree. You know, there's a lot of death, a lot of violence, a lot of just things that every any human being would say this is atrocious. But sometimes, and, and I like what you did all throughout the book, is you took it seriously and you weren't telling people, like, you know, not to take it seriously. But you're like, there's a lot of funny things in here. There's a lot of, you know, poop and nudity and incest and this stuff we don't like to talk about. But it's in here, so let's talk about it anyway. Yeah, yeah. I um, this is not my line. I wish it were. Um, but one of the blurbs on the book, I got a got a very kind blurb from Benito Serino, who's um, he's primarily known as a uh, a comics writer. He used to write for the Tick and stuff. But um, he wrote me a blurb for the book, and he uh, the way he put it was, uh, what Murder Bears gets right is that the best way to take the Bible seriously is to not take it so seriously. <laughs> no, it's very accurate. You know, because um, I mean, you know. The Bible is, I mean, it's its obviously a sacred text that we ought to take seriously, but in a sense, a lot of the Bible doesn't take itself all that seriously. Right. Right. There's a lot of, there's not just weird stuff, there's stuff in there that's clearly presented as humor, you know, mm-hmm. jokes. Um, so it's not, it, I mean, it's not this stodgy religious text, um, even though it's appropriate parts of it are appropriate to be read in study religious settings. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's a very human book, you know, despite its divine purpose, you know, um, it's got in parts, a very earthy sense of humor. Right. Um, kind of going on to another part of it. Um, chapter two, I'm not going to go like, Hey, chapter by chapter, but stuff that's sure. kind of jumped out, but Chapter two is entitled, There's No Commandment to Wear Pants. <laughs> Nudity, much of it gratuitous. Um, this part I always, it's funny, I grew up in a very conservative home, uh, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal. Um, so that'll just tell you right there of how, um, you know, being raised in like a purity culture type of, not household, my parents were like open-minded, but like my church and my pastors, it was like, dear Lord, you never joked about sex or sexuality or anything or nudity. Um, but, you know, I always remember as a teenager, I'd always be like, hey, you know, if you read the Bible, you will see a lot of nudity in there. 
uh, and they're like, oh, what? And I'm like, Garden of Eden, the first kind of like the first thing it hits you over the head, you know, they were naked. But then I liked how you brought things up in here of how, you know, like David, we've seen David, we've seen a lot of these prophets, especially the prophets in the Old Testament. They just had, they had a thing about just being naked um, <laughs> and not just naked for the sake to be naked, but naked because like this was like the their bareness, their bare body was like all that they had, you know, to give to God. And I, right. I see too, like at the bottom of 37, it's like, and he too stripped off his clothes and he too prophesied before Samuel and lay naked all that day and all that night, which is just, it's pretty intense of, we don't really read, you know, when we read that, especially, and I know a lot of Christians that just hate the old Testament because they're like, Oh, it's all stuffy. It's all boring. And, It's not about (laughs) Jesus per se, which is a lot of it is leading up to Jesus. But it's just kind of funny, like how people just skip over the Old Testament because they're like, oh, it's, you know, the stories of he begat he and, you know, all this lineage stuff. But I like how you just took it seriously going back to that and just was like, this is serious. And in and you did due diligence with that. But it was also just so, so humorous. And I know it. I know it sounds like a lot of flattery and it is because it's like, like this is something where I just, and I've told friends about it. And I'm like, you have to read this. Even some friends that are very not religious. I'm like, you need to read this book because it, it actually will show you the humor and show you like the Bible is a holy book, but it was written by people, yeah. you know, for people um, to show them what they were doing. And a lot of times when you read books, you'll be like, you know, any like literature or like famous, you know, maybe Frankenstein's like my favorite novel. There's probably things in there that we might not understand that other people in other contexts or at the context when it was written might understand it more, you know? So I don't know. I just, I really, um, really love that. Um, can you go into detail? I forget right off uh, what chapter it's in about the murder bears. Cause there was a, story that you write about of the murder bear or the bear in the Bible. Can you just tell the listeners kind of where that's found? Um, how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so this is definitely one of the more controversial stories in the Bible. Um, and this, I believe is from the book of second Kings. I think so. It's, I'm going off the top of my head. It's been as of uh as of Wednesday, it will have been a whole year since this book was even published. So it's been a while since I thought about this stuff. Um, but yeah. Um, and there's a whole long backstory Then we can go as far back as you want, but, um, basically you got Elijah, uh, who is generally regarded as the greatest prophet in the history of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it heads frequently with Ahab and his wife Jezebel over the worship of the false god Baal or Baal or however you say that. Some people mm-hmm. say Baal. Um, anyway, um, he did not die. He was um, taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. Um, and his mentee, his uh, apprentice prophet Elisha, was there with him. Um, and Elisha says to Elijah, give me a double portion of your spirit. Um, and Elijah says, you know what? I'm going to do that for you. Um, <laughs> and then as, so as soon as Elijah's taken up to heaven, um, Elisha, the new guy 
he goes about doing some miracles to prove that he is God's new chosen prophet, right? So um, first he he tosses his cloak in a river, water parts, which is kind of the exact last miracle that Elijah did. So there's some important symmetry there. Um, then he goes to a town where the the well has turned sour or poisoned or whatever. He freshens up the wells. People have water to drink again. Uh, and then for his third miracle, he goes hardcore on everybody. Um, some kids show up. Uh, and when I say kids, we're talking like maybe teenagers, 20 somethings, mm -hmm. uh, some troublemakers. Basically, they say, go on up, you bald head. Um, that's the. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way that's the way most english translations put it um they said basically go go and tr just try to do what elijah did um baldy um and so elisha it says i believe he curses them in the name of the lord and two she bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys <laughs> so basically every every youth group boy's favorite bible verse um yeah, so basically he curses some kids and some bears show up and say, "Yeah, you want you you want these kids cursed? We can we can handle that." <laughs> they murder murder more than 40 of them. Um so, yeah. Uh that was when I read that, I want to say, "Why don't I remember that?" <laughs> you know, cuz like I said I was like I grew up in the you know church my whole life, went to Bible college, seminary, and I, I obviously, and it's like at home with like my family, we'll, we'll talk about, you know, fart jokes or poop jokes all the time. But I just like, you brought some of these super obscure stories or, you know, like, let's be honest, a lot of people when they're in the church growing up, at least for me and like family and friends, like we, we, that we, we like skipped over that stuff. Cause we were like, oh, this is kind of boring or just whatever. But like when yeah. I was reading it, it was like. This would make like a kick-ass like mini series, you know, like <laughs> well, the stories in here would be just like an amazing movie or mini series, and people would be like, "This stuff is in the Bible? What? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> well, and what's funny about that story is that the whole Elijah ascending to heaven in a chariot of fire thing, like that's iconic. That's a story you right. see in Bibles, by Sunday school lessons. It's a story you see in like kids' Bible story books. You see it everywhere, and it's. Like the murder bears thing is part of that exact same narrative arc, right? <laughs> you know, it's just that it's like it's like the climactic conclusion to that story, right? It's just like um, in churches they don't really talk about that part. <laughs> it's like let's cut yeah. it off right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, one thing. Well, thank you for kind of going into that. Um, that whole awesome part. Um, I I know Paul gets. You know, people within the faith think, you know, Paul is either a villain or a hero. But I I always tell people that I feel like, you know, people in Bible, they were human beings. They were normal people like everyone else. And, you know, sometimes we almost um, deify them in some ways. I mean, maybe some traditions do, but I liked your part. I know this is going all the way back to the beginning. But of how, uh, you know, like how face-meltingly awesome Paul was because... You know, this obviously talking about you know dung or poop, but you know it's the part in Philippians three eight, um, where it says, "I count all things but for loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, from whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I do not count, but don't not count them, but dung that they that I may win Christ." And you're like, "Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I've 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 read that before many times, but then you even went into like what does the Greek say about it? And like literally most scholars will say, Yeah, that's not really dung, that's just shit. That's yeah. the word for shit. And so like to me it's like and the, most of us know the background of Paul and how he was Saul and how he killed Christians. But that's just when I read that, I was like, you know, I like I like Paul a little more because he was just like, I just gave up. <laughs> I, I just, this is shit. But I lay down all this shit so I may, I may follow Christ. So it's, I don't know, it's just, thank you. Thank you for bringing that, um, I don't know, that well, stuff alive. And it's interesting how many English translations censor him there. You know, I, I think the strongest you get is in the KJB with dung, right? Like, right. Um, I think a lot of a lot of more modern translations render it rubbish. And it's like, so we're okay with like Paul the serial murderer, but we're we're not okay with Paul saying four letter words, <laughs> right? And I mean, and that's the stuff that I get all the time because people are like, well, I can't read the Bible because it's just so violent and it's. It treats women, you know, you know, so misogynistic, which is like, yes, those are those parts in there. But at the same time, it's like, no, the Bible does have cursing, you know, when mm -hmm. it's like Jesus curses a fig tree. People are like, yeah, he's probably like mad at it. And I'm like, no, if it says you curse something, you're probably cursing and using very strong language at it or else it like wouldn't curse. So maybe, you know, maybe God dropped the F-bomb. I don't know. Maybe like <laughs> it could be. Um there's one story, and I, I can't remember what page it was on or, or what section it was in, but and obviously it's your book, so correct me where it's at. <laughs> but where uh, – who was it? Where it was – they were taking an oath, and they literally – it said uh, like they um, – when how they took an oath was like it was literally shaking or grabbing his genitalia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Abraham. Yeah, right? Abraham. Mm -hmm. I found that fascinating of like, they, they did stuff like that. Like I've done a lot of like handshake deals or like, Hey, you know, <laughs> like you promised to pay me this money back, you know, shaking hands. But when I read that, I was like, and you, you know, you kind of were, you're like, wait, did he just like shake his genitalia on that? Like, <laughs> was that a thing that they did back then? Uh, evidently. I mean, that's what scholars seem to agree uh, is, is the case, you know, like it's, it's one of those things where, you know, this is a culture removed from ours by literally thousands of years, thousands and thousands of miles. Like people in different parts of the world, different times do stuff differently. You know, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's it's like now, you know, if you, if you said, hey, grab my balls and swear to me, like people would be like, what? But <laughs> uh, apparently, like it was a fairly normal thing. And, you know, maybe we should say uh, for the record that what Abraham is asking his servant to swear to do is to find his son, a wife. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is all about continuing Abraham's genetic line. So right. it's not like totally random that he's saying, grab my genitals and swear to me. Like it's, it's directly connected to his genitals like right, in a right. real way. Um, but yeah, I mean, apparently that's, this was a thing. God, I just find that. So it, it, it's, it's, funny but it's also like yeah they did they, they did that apparently back then and like even if i was like had a son i don't i have a daughter but like even if i was like hey you know slave or whoever you know swear to me on my balls that you're gonna find my son like 
a spouse, like you, just, people would be like, uh, "What? Like, are you crazy?" Like, they would just it, it would be preposterous that somebody would even ask something like that. And when I read that, I just I busted out laughing because I was like, "He just straight up grabbed Abraham's junk." I, I it was beyond me. It was beyond me. Um, incest. So, how did you go? Uh, obviously, we know incest is in the Bible. Uh, all over, apparently. But how did you go about just... Uh, um, I would feel like that would be the... For me, that would be the hardest chapter to write about. Like, So how did you go about doing that? Like, And maybe maybe just how did you research that? Like, just like, okay, did you Google, like, where to in, look at incest in the Bible and all that kind of stuff? Because, you know, that's not... You know, people don't really write about incest that often, especially yeah. from the Bible. Well, the, I mean, the truth of it is that I, I mean, I literally just, when I was like outlining this book for the first time, I just flipped through a Bible, you know, and wrote stuff down as I went. Um, and eventually, you know, eventually just like wrote every item on the note card, spread it out on a table, started moving it around. And I was like, I need to group about seven or eight stories each into seven or eight chapters. And that was where I started, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and what I ended up realizing was like, oh, dang, I have a lot of sex stuff, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I had like maybe one chapter's worth of butt jokes and one chapter's worth of like bizarre violence. But I have like three, four chapters worth of sex stuff. I need to break up the sex stuff. Um, and I OK, so I think. I think how I ended up breaking breaking it up was like a chapter on just nudity, like n usually of a non-sexual nature, and then a chapter of like more tame sex stuff. Just mm -hmm. I think I, I titled the chapter "All Right, Let's Get Started on the Sex Stuff," and then a chapter on prostitution because there's just a ton of stuff about prostitution in the Bible. Yes, yes, and there then, is, and then one on incest. <laughs> Um, and I think the incest chapter just ended up being a bit of a catch-all chapter because I had some stuff that didn't fit. So I, just, I called it incest and outcest just to cover all my bases. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think one story that always got me um, growing up um, was in the Bible with Noah, obviously in the flood. and after all that stuff happened and you know it i think it is really funny that you know everything is destroyed except for noah and his family and you know this ark with all of life on it and then you see noah and he just is getting shit faced like he's plowed he's completely <laughs> wasted and then i would always and so like and that was they didn't really tell that much like at least in the church i was raised in or tradition it was kind of like yeah he was off by himself well, what was he doing? Well, you know, if you would be in the ark for 40 days with your family and all these animals, you would want to break too. And it was like, no, this guy got hammered, like hardcore. Um, <laughs> and it's like so hammered that he was like butt ass naked and like his family had to cover him up. But when I tell people like in like their stories of like if they were the only family left on earth or like him and his family, how did they start having all these people like how did all these babies come about how did these family lines and then people are like well what are you trying to say you're trying to say that there was incest and i was like yes 
But <laughs> I, like that is just how it happened. They're like, well, why would God allow that? And I'm like, well, if God allowed the world to be destroyed by a flood and he needed Noah's family to repopulate it, then there must have been some incest involved. And people are like, well, that's gross. That's nasty. And I'm like, but it's in the Bible, you know? And if you can't talk about it, then then you can't talk about it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it depends how you define incest. There have been plenty of times in human history when incest has been pretty normal. Right? Yeah. Among royalty in a lot of the world at a lot of periods of time, like it was just, it was what you did. Right. You know? Um, and I mean, you know, that's really what I, at least part of what I wanted to get at with this book was just that how different um, cultures can be from each other, you know, mm-hmm. and how different the cultures that wrote the Bible are from ours, you know? And we, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially a lot of modern people just kind of take it for granted that everybody's kind of the same and we mm-hmm. all want the same things and we all value the same things. Well, not, not really, you know, I mean, <laughs> right. people have lived all sorts of ways all over the world throughout history, you know? Um, and, you know, to maybe to read scripture, well, you really just kind of got to take off your modern Western blinders and try to understand what the original audience would have thought of these passages, you know? Right. And and you hit the nail on the head there is like people forget, like we always, at least in the American Western context, we always like want to Americanize everything like, oh, this is how our culture would do it. And we can't help that we read it in our American lens because we are Americans. But when you when you do read it, you're like, this was written how many thousands of years ago by these individuals, but their culture and their time frame was so radically different than you know than us and when you put that into person because i remember just growing up in the church it 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 always when you of course there was the american jesus the blonde hair blue eyes you know jesus the like scandinavian jesus and when you're you're like you get older and you're like jesus didn't look like this jesus was a middle eastern jew middle eastern jews do not look blonde hair blue eyed so what you're saying is absolutely true is where it's like we have to re- we have to put our our blinders aside to be like this was how the Jewish people lived. These are how people in Israel lived at this time, and this is the stuff that they did. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so thank you so much for um, writing this book. It's been um, I'm not going to use the church word blessing, but it's been I'll just say it's been a hoot. It's been informative. <laughs> It's been uh, eye-opening in so many ways, uh, and I'm going to let a lot of people read it because I think it's uh, uh, a book that people need to read. Um, I wanted to ask you, though, is there any—you said this book came out about a year ago now. Is there anything you're currently working on right now um, that that's keeping you busy? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how, how fans of— uh... Murder Bears will feel about this. Um, I think I said at the top of the show, my real passion is writing like dark fiction, horror and stuff. Um, and I uh, I actually just landed an agent to uh, help me sell my second novel, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. So, Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, I'm hoping hoping it works out and uh, we, we find a good home for it. Um, so, yeah. Um, 
but as far as as far as nonfiction goes, I'm not I'm not deep into this project. I'm just kind of kicking around ideas, slowly putting together an outline. But I'm thinking about doing something similar with um, hagiography, mm-hmm. the lives of the saints, um, wild stories from from hagiography. Um, so I don't I don't know when or if that's going to get written, but uh, that that is the you know potential next nonfiction project. So. Awesome. That's fantastic. Well, I, I'm, I'm a fan of horror fiction and dark fiction. So I would, I would appreciate that. I'm actually reading a horror novel right now. Um, have you ever heard of the uh, author Grady Hendrix? The name is familiar, but he wrote like horror store. Um, what else did he write? The Southern, Southern, Southern book, book club, uh, for vampires, something like that. And he just wrote one about, um, final girl support group about all the final girls in horror movies. <laughs> yes, I did see that book. I need to pick that up. So it looks really funny. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fantastic. He's he's a really good uh, horror writer. So I would buy that book when it comes out when you write it. So that's right up right up my alley. Right um do you have a time for a quick lightning round just a couple quick questions. I know I didn't prepare you for this, but let's let's go gonna... for it. So, uh, besides water, you know, coffee, that, that whole thing, cause that's everyone's favorite. What is, what is a beverage of choice that you go to that you don't have to drink it every day, but you're like, this is just like legit. I need this. Man. Okay. Um, this is a little obscure. It's not that obscure. Uh, Coca-Cola with coffee. Have you seen it? Yes. It's a relatively new product. Um, I love it. I know everybody else in the world hates it, but that is my jam. Um, yeah, about, uh, I want to say like 12 years ago, 12, 15 years ago, they had a product called Coca-Cola Black. Yes, I remember similar. that. I remember that. And I drank that stuff like water, and then they discontinued <laughs> it, and I died a little inside that day. And just about a year ago, they brought it back as Coca-Cola with coffee, and I am alive again. I'm so happy. I got to stock up on that in case they... Uh discontinue it again i know i have been yeah <laughs> very good um is there like a, a favorite like vacation spot whether you like were growing up and like your family took you there or even like as a family is there like just this one spot that you're like this is kind of like paradise for me you know i've never been part of a family that took a lot of vacations like my folks were not into it my wife now is not into it um I guess when when we go places, we tend to go camping, mm-hmm. um, just kind of in the woods of Wisconsin. So, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been to Wisconsin. It is beautiful here. Um, I have zero regrets about moving here like four years ago. So I'm I'm uh, I'm about twenty miles from the border. So yes, because I live right in St. Paul. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Well, and my mom's my mom's from Wisconsin. So yes, I've been to Wisconsin many 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 times. Uh, so it is beautiful. Well, is there is there like a destination that you've always maybe dreamt about going to? You're like, oh, this would be really killer to go there for a vacation or something. Oh, man. I mean, there's so many places that I'd like to visit someday. <laughs> uh, I've never been to the West Coast. You know, I'd love to visit SoCal um, or, you know, South Pacific. I've never been to Hawaii, um, anywhere in there. Um, you know, maybe someday. Cool, cool. The last one, and this this plays perfectly into you because you're an author. What is the the most favorite book you've ever read? Where you love it so much that you were like, I need to give this book out to people. Like this is 
life-changing or transformative. Okay, uh, this is pretty obscure again. Um, but speaking of dark fiction, uh, this is a a literary horror novel uh, by Joey Camo. Uh, mm. It's called One Bloody Thing After Another. Um, I don't know if any, either of those names ring a bell. Joey mm-hmm. Camo. Joey Camo is best known for um, writing the webcomic A Softer World. Okay. Um, it's kind of a cult webcomic. It's um, if if you see it, it's it's got a really distinctive style. It's always three panels, and they're just photographs, and then the text is like just on colored bars over them. It's it's um. Anyway, he wrote a a literary horror novel called One Bloody Thing After Another, um, and it's just this weird kind of plotless psychological novel about just kind of these three characters that are each dealing with a supernatural entity and their paths kind of keep intersecting. Um, And it's one of those books, it's like it's like full of ghosts and monsters, but it's not about ghosts and monsters. You know, it's about these characters learning to love again after loss and that Mm. sort of thing. And it's, I mean, it's, it's just a really funny, touching, scary book. It's, it's really cool. I would strongly recommend it to anyone. Um, so yeah, Joey Camo, one bloody thing after another. Awesome. I'll pick that up. Um, out of many books I'm on my to to read list. (laughs) So thank you for that recommendation. Um, I guess the last thing, um, where can people find you like on, on the socials just so they can, you know, connect with you and see what you're up to. And just, if they want to just see, see what's going on with, with Luke. For sure. Yeah. I mean, these days, uh, social media wise, I probably spend most of my time on Twitter. Um, I'm just at Luke T Harrington. Um, or you can find, just go to my website, which is LukeTHarrington.com. Um, I also recently launched a Substack, Substack, nice. uh, which is LukeTHarrington.substack.com. So, you know, I'm not hard to find. Just Google Luke T. Harrington and probably all that stuff will come up. Cool. Well, um, thanks so much, Luke, for taking the time to be on the podcast. And uh, uh, best of luck with all the writing that you're doing. I can understand as a writer, you, you know, it's taking you, you know, you got to keep writing every day. Well, hopefully every day. So thanks for thanks for being on, and uh, I'll let you know when this comes out. Sure. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. You were a new language I was learning to speak. It was rough.